When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I was en route to San Francisco when um, there was a call from the cabin that uh, went something like this. We have good news and bad news. This is the voice of a pilot for a major U.S. airline, a pilot who I'm going to call Bill since he's not authorized to speak as a representative of his employer. Now, Bill's been flying planes for 28 years, and he was in the middle of a routine flight last year when he got a call from a flight attendant at the back of the cabin. Well, the good news is the Wi-Fi is working wonderfully, and all airline pilots now will tell you that a lot of the calls we get from the cabin crew is involves uh, problems with the Wi-Fi. The bad news was many passengers were asking the flight attendants if we would be continuing on to San Francisco. That's because he was flying a Boeing 737 MAX jet. Now, international regulators had noted similarities between two recent tragic plane crashes that involved the same aircraft model. And news of their subsequent decision to ground the plane was quickly spreading in the cabin. Many passengers were reading text messages, alerts from different news outlets that they had on their mobile devices that were stating that all Maxes were uh, grounded and they would all have to land at the nearest suitable airports. And after we, we landed, that, that aircraft was taken out of service and hasn't flown since. Probably everyone who flew the Max thought back and wondered if one of those situations that brought down the two aircraft could have happened to them. I think there's a, a lot of blame to go around and there's, there was a lot of questioning. That's where a lot of the anger came from. The anger that Bill's referring to has come from grieving family members, from regulators, and from politicians. And it's been directed at one of the biggest names in U.S. manufacturing. It's also called into question how this company, Boeing, approached safety. Close to one year later, more than 700 of Boeing's MAX jets remain grounded around the world. And while the cost of this crisis for the airplane maker alone has been estimated to reach nearly $20 billion, the knock-on effects of a Boeing problem on the U.S. economy are starting to show. This is Behind the Money, a podcast from the Financial Times where we look at the people and money behind the business stories of the moment. I'm Amy Keene. In this episode, we're looking at Boeing and whether the airplane manufacturer can correct its course after the biggest crisis the aviation industry has seen in a decade. To understand how we got here, we're going to take a step back with the FT Chicago correspondent, Claire Bushy. Boeing is this storied company. They uh, are like the premier U.S. manufacturing exporter. They have been around for a century. They helped usher in the jet age. The company is valued at nearly $194 billion. And what they make is sort of this amazing product that requires the utmost expertise in engineering and manufacturing. So they have some 150,000 people who work for them worldwide. The scale of the supply chain, you know, stretches out across the economy. There are some 
want to say 680 suppliers on the Max alone. So when Boeing has a problem, it ripples out through the rest of the supply chain. Boeing has become a mainstay in U.S. manufacturing, fighting for market share with just one other company, Europe's Airbus. But in 2011, it was threatened with the loss of sales from an important airline customer. American Airlines, which had bought jets exclusively from Boeing for more than a decade, was considering a purchase from Airbus. Well, this is a transformational deal with, uh, for American Airlines. That's Tom Horton. He was then chief executive of American Airlines. This is about repositioning our company for success in the future. It is the largest aircraft order in history. It's initially about replacing our fleet and making the company more efficient, more profitable and competitive. Because of what American Airlines was doing, Boeing needed to respond with something that would entice airlines to put in orders. In 2011, Boeing had a decision to make about whether it was going to go for a quote-unquote clean sheet airplane develop something entirely new, or whether it was going to update the 737 again. The 737 was one of Boeing's narrow-body, single-aisle planes, and it had become the workhorse jet for many airlines because it was good at moving passengers across short distances. And because Boeing had been making it for so long, it was also a major cash generator for the company. So in order to offer American Airlines the plane it was looking for, and quicker than Airbus could, Boeing decided to update its existing 737 model. Update it instead of designing an entirely new plane. And in order to do that, they needed to do a few things. Boeing made the engines on the new model larger, so the aircraft would be more fuel efficient than previous models. And so they put them further forward on the wing. And that created a change in how the plane felt for pilots. But they didn't want to change that too much because when you change how the plane flies for the pilots, then you have to train them more. And training is expensive. The airlines have to stick their pilots in a simulator when you've got, you know, thousands of pilots working for you. It takes hundreds of dollars per hour to fly in a simulator. That adds up to a lot of cost. And so Boeing didn't want to change the plane so much that they had to recommend similar training to their airline customers because that would make them less likely to buy the plane. So what they did is they came up with sort of a technological solution that was supposed to run in the background. The software is called the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, MCAS for short. It was supposed to make the MAX fly more like the previous iteration of the 737. Now, in this new version of the 737, the MAX, because of where the engines were on the wing and because they were heavier, it could make the plane tilt upwards and potentially go into a stall. So MCAS, if it detected the plane doing that, could push the nose of the plane downward so that it wouldn't go into a stall. We have breaking news from Indonesia. A Lion Air Boeing 737 MAX 8 carrying 189 people crashed into the sea this morning. Rescuers have located debris, but they in Indonesia. In that case, the Lion Air pilots failed to disengage the autopilot when faulty readings engaged a nose-down safety system. The of an Ethiopian Airlines flight are now emerging. Despite the pilots' actions, they were unable to gain control of the Boeing 737 MAX 8. Crash in Africa. All the attention has been focused on the system called 
MCAS. MCAS is software on board the plane. And here's what we're talking about. This coming on this morning after this heated conversation, American Airlines pilots asking months ago to Boeing officials, why didn't they know about this new flight control system? What happened with these two crashes in Indonesia and Ethiopia is that you had information coming in from a single sensor that was wrong that suggested the plane was going into a stall. And so MCAS kicked into gear and started pushing the nose of the plane down. And the pilots were, in both cases, unable to react fast enough to successfully pull the planes out of dives. And this was the system that has since been implicated in the two crashes of the 737 MAX, one being a Lion Air flight in October of 2018, and the other an Ethiopian Airlines flight in March of last year. But crucially, Boeing hadn't mentioned this flight control system in the manuals for the MAX. Boeing didn't alert pilots that this system was on the plane. When it became public knowledge that MCAS existed, the company said that this was a problem that could be addressed by, you know, standard techniques that pilots already knew. And what pilots have argued is that, one, it's a more powerful system and it keeps pushing the plane down. And so it's, it's not the same. And two, there was cacophony in the cockpit at the time. You know, a lot of alerts would have been going off. And there was simply not enough time for the pilots to figure out what was wrong and how to fix it before the crash occurred. Probably everyone who flew the MAX thought back and wondered if one of those situations that brought down the two aircraft could have happened to them. And if so, how would we have handled it? That's Bill, the pilot, again. A lot of pilots said, well, it could have been me. It could have been my flight. I, I flew that airplane, you know, 17 times or whatever, and I didn't know about this system called MCAS. Boeing has subsequently said after the crash investigations and after so much outcry about how the plane was designed that they made incorrect assumptions about how quickly pilots would be able to react. Shortly after the Ethiopian Airlines crash, one by one, aviation safety regulators began banning flights on the MAX in their airspace. In the UK, China, and Singapore, in Australia, Malaysia, and throughout other parts of Europe. But the U.S. regulator, the Federal Aviation Administration, stood behind its certification of the plane and its airworthiness. That was until Canadian officials grounded the plane, citing new data that linked the two crashes. Hours later, as Bill was flying to San Francisco, U.S. President Donald Trump announced the FAA would be grounding the MAX. We're going to be issuing an emergency order of prohibition to ground all flights of the 737 MAX 8 and the 737 MAX 9 and planes associated with that line. In the wake of the two crashes and the grounding of the 737 MAX, investigators zeroed in on the development and certification of the plane, as well as Boeing's once cozy relationship with the FAA. The regulator had delegated most of its testing of new models to Boeing, which paved a smooth path for the MAX to get to market. By late last year, however, Boeing's internal corporate culture was effectively put on trial. Mr. Mullenberg. 
That's a U.S. senator speaking to former Boeing chief executive Dennis Muhlenberg last fall during a hearing on Capitol Hill. I mentioned a series of emails. The former Max chief technical pilot um, calls for removing any mention of the MCAS flight control system from the flight crew operating manual. He talks about Jedi mind tricking of regulators. Dennis Muhlenberg started at Boeing as an intern, and he rose to become CEO, and he was fired in December for his handling of the MAX crisis. He was widely perceived as alienating the FAA, which of course was needed for the return to service of the MAX. And he kept saying that the MAX would be ungrounded by the end of 2019. That timetable slipped again in December. That clearly wasn't going to happen. I've made it very clear that Boeing's plan is not the FAA's plan. So you have the FAA administrator, Steve Dixon, refuting the timetable we were hearing from Dennis Muhlenberg at Boeing. How many times have you heard me say that we're not on any timeline? Uh, We're going to follow every step of the process, uh, however long that takes. And just going back to Dennis uh, Millenberg for a moment, you described him as being perceived to be alienating the FAA. But can you talk at all about the broader workplace culture that he has largely been accused of cultivating? Well, this really came into public focus when Muhlenberg had to testify before Congress about the MAX crisis in hearings held last fall. These are senior leaders at Boeing in an exchange saying, and I will quote again, so I basically lied to the regulators. And then again in January, when more internal messages were released and the company's reputation took another knock as employees were found to be mocking the FAA, trying to convince customers that they didn't actually need simulator training because Boeing didn't want to set a precedent of customers receiving this. Some people saying that the company was going with the lowest cost suppliers. Some people saying, I'm not going to lie to the FAA. I'm going to leave that to the people who have no integrity. And so these emails really call into question what the company has said all along, which is that they value safety and engineering more than they value raising the stock price for investors. Mr. Muhlenberg has since been replaced by former chairman of the Boeing board, Dave Calhoun. Dave Calhoun said, you know, that that was like a very small group of people within the 150,000 people who work for Boeing. But at the same time, it really shakes people's perception of the company. That is especially true for pilots like Bill, who have to get back in the cockpit and fly these planes. When I first started flying the 737, it was a big deal. It's like being drafted from the uh, AAA or AA to the majors. You're flying a Boeing. You've now done something. You've accomplished something in your career. As a pilot, when I heard the news of the two crashes and then as things progressed and it turned out there was a a flaw in the aircraft, I I became angry. I'm not going to lie. I I was angry that this company that I grew up uh, admiring so much could let that happen. Boeing's own internal research as of December said that 40% of the flying public doesn't think these are safe planes to fly on. So from last year, 
Boeing has been saying the key to restoring faith in the MAX are going to be the pilots because pilots are their lives are at risk as well on these planes. If they're not safe, they're not going to fly them. You know, they have a professional duty, they have a personal stake. And so they're seen as being these trustworthy, impartial arbiters. And, and you know, the pilots very much see themselves as advocates for passengers. But trust is at a real low point and they want it to be restored. <laughs> but it's kind of hard because over the course of what is now nearly a year, there's been this drip, drip, drip of revelation about how the plane was designed, how it was certified, what employees were saying during this whole process. There's just a lot that we've know now that we didn't know a year ago, and it's come out bit by bit. And that has made it really hard for this key group that Boeing is relying on to restore the public's confidence in the plane, it kind of makes it hard for them to be confident. It also makes it hard for investors to keep their confidence in Boeing. Shares in the manufacturer have fallen by about $100 each from early March of last year. That says shareholders digested the financial fallout of the MAX crisis. The company's latest estimate for how much the MAX crisis is going to cost is $18.6 billion. And basically, this cost breaks down into three areas. They've got the money that they are paying to their airline customers for not delivering the jets on time because they were grounded. They have the costs over the MAX's entire production cycle because the plane isn't going to be as profitable as they had originally thought it was going to be. Then they have $4 billion in what they're calling, quote, abnormal production costs. Basically, that means payments they're making to their suppliers and also the cost of keeping their workers employed who would ordinarily have been building the jets but are not building jets because they can't deliver them. This is where we start to see that a problem at Boeing extends well beyond its own factory floor. Well, they tried to keep production of the MAX going when they, you know, they didn't know how long the plane was going to be grounded. And so they kept making planes in rented Washington. And a large part of the reason why they were doing that is because they wanted to try to keep their supply chain healthy because you stop making planes, you stop buying parts of planes from your suppliers. Your suppliers don't have your money anymore, so they can't pay their workers anymore. So perhaps they lay them off like Spirit Aerosystems, which builds the fuselage uh, for the Max. You know, they did that in Wichita. When you start doing that, you kind of lose control over how you put it all back together again, because uh, there's very low unemployment right now, 3.9%. And aerospace workers are skilled workers, and they can get hired by somebody else. So if you have that shock to the supply chain, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get all those people back. And that's just like the spirits of the world, huge company in its own right. Spirit is supplied by people, you know, and you, you start trickling down to smaller and smaller manufacturers until you're talking about like, you know, places with 50 million in revenue and 25 employees. And they don't have the working capital to weather a long 
production halt, particularly if they're heavily invested in the Max. You know, that has really far knock-on effects. So much so that U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin recently said the issues at Boeing and those knock-on effects could bring down U.S. GDP this year by 50 basis points. I, I think our projections have been reduced because of Boeing, so it will be lower. Boeing has had a big impact on our exports being the largest exporter. I think that could be 50 basis points or not more. What happens to Boeing in the interim then? It seems that they've got their messaging down now. They've got a new executive. This was a couple of bad apples within the company. And, um, you know, once they can regain pilot trust, everything's going to be okay. But we're still waiting on a number of key milestones to be reached before any of this might be possible. Well, they did have some good news recently. The head of the FAA, Stephen Dixon, said that the MAX will have its test flight where FAA regulators will test it to make sure that it can be certified, that that will happen within a few weeks. And Boeing is still working out some some software issues, but they've said they don't expect that to change uh, the timeline for the plane returning to service in mid-2020. So, you know, once that happens, the FAA can sign off on that part of the plane, and then they need to agree on what sort of training pilots are going to have. And that will be, you know, another big discussion. And an important thing to look for there is whether or not all regulators actually agree to the same thing, because there's some discussion about whether or not the European regulators will sign off at the same time that the FAA does. But once, you know, there's agreement on what sort of training that pilots need, then the plane will be officially ungrounded. And then airlines and Boeing also need to get their planes ready to fly. You know, all the planes that have been mothballed by the airlines need to have their systems checked, their engines checked, their software updated. And then Boeing has to do the same thing with the 400 planes that it built well the plane was grounded before it shut down its production line. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of things that need to happen. A lot of things that need to happen, which could mean a higher total cost to Boeing than its current estimate of $18.6 billion. You know, I've talked to at least one analyst who who thinks that that number could, could increase. And in particular, the piece that they have carved out for payments to airlines, that's $8.3 billion. And considering they're recommending training for pilots and simulators, I think that figure could go up. Meanwhile, Boeing's taken out a $12 billion loan to deal with some of this increased cost. Now, that hit the company's credit rating. They also halted share buybacks in 2019. And they're also predicting that 2020 is is not going to be a good year. Cash flow is is going to get worse before it gets better. And 2021 will be the year that investors start to see a recovery. In a bid to reassure shareholders, Boeing kept up its dividend last year and says it will continue to do so. By Boeing's own predictions, the cost of this crisis will dent earnings for approximately two years, all told. 
But there are still lingering questions about whether Boeing can fully attribute a financial outlook for the tragedy of the MAX jet. The $18.6 billion that Boeing has said they think this crisis will cost doesn't actually include how much they might end up paying in damages or settlements to the families of the 346 people who were killed in these two crashes. And it goes without saying that what these people have lost, money can't, can't cover that. Thank you, Claire. Claire Bushy and my other FT colleagues have done some great reporting on the fallout of the MAX crisis. I've linked to a few of these reads in the show notes for this episode, and you can find more at FT.com. We've got a lot in store for this third season of Behind the Money. First, we've got an incredible new producer working with me, Oluwakemi Aladisui, which brings me to point number two, that with Oluwakemi's expertise, we're going to commit to bringing you a new episode every other week. In the meantime, both Oluwakemi and I would love to hear from you. You can email us at behindthemoney at ft.com. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, what other questions you have from this episode, and what you'd like to hear next. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate and review the show. I'm sure you've heard it before, but it does help other Apple users find out about us. This episode was produced by Oluwakemi Aladisui and me, Amy Keen. Odin Ingebrigtsen was our sound engineer. Thanks for listening.